You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Good luck to uh, Smithfield. How exciting. 7 o'clock tonight. This is it. They continue with the Little League World Series. Um, who knows? Who knows? A win tonight would be huge. Continue to move on. But either way, uh, it's been really terrific to uh, see the Smithfield team, well coached, all seem to be a good group of kids and uh, very nice parents, and just uh, remarkable what's what's taking place in Williamsport at the Little League World Series. Well, will he or won't he? Well, it sure seems um, set now that the Trump plan, which I don't know if I'm on board with, um, is essentially not only to not attend the debate and I, I don't believe this whole thing of the counter programming who the, no one is going to go and watch his interview with tucker carlson on twitter of all places i mean of all the social media platforms i'm on twitter is is the least of what most people are on so no one is going to see that let alone he's not going to say anything in a tucker carlson interview so out on him now anyway meaning tucker carlson but but by not going uh president trump by not attending the debate and now he's saying he's going to surrender on thursday and it would seem the strategy then is to completely wipe out um any coverage of the debate on the thursday but i don't I mean, he's going to get a lot of coverage surrendering in Georgia, but the debate's going to happen. And more and more, I am anxious to see. But let's hear the latest now, starting with the president's going to apparently surrender uh, coming up on Thursday. And I, I believe all bets are off as far as I think this, you know, this. this here we go. Thought. A former president of the United States must make bail. That's the reality for Donald Trump, who posted on social media he will turn himself in here on Thursday. And when he does, he's going to need to come with cash. The judge said former President Trump's bond at $200,000, the first of his four criminal indictments to require Trump to post bond. He'll have to pay 10% when he surrenders in Fulton County, where he and 18 others are charged with conspiring to overturn Trump's election loss in Georgia. District Attorney Fonnie Willis personally signed the order after meeting with Trump's attorneys. They agreed to rules for Trump's release. He can make no direct or indirect threat towards any potential witnesses, including his 18 alleged co-conspirators. And that includes posts on social media or reposts of posts made by another individual. To comply, that means Trump may have to soften his rhetoric about the case and his personal attacks against Willis. Some of Trump's co-defendants learned of their bonds, too. It was very straightforward. We had a meeting with the DA's office uh, worked out the negotiated deal, signed the paperwork. Kenneth Chesborough and John Eastman, who were accused of proposing they use fake electors to keep Trump in power, each had bonds set at $100,000. A court filing suggests Eastman will surrender Wednesday. The judge set a $50,000 bond for Ray Smith, an Atlanta attorney who allegedly offered advice to Trump electors, and 10000 for Scott Hall, a bail bondsman allegedly linked to stolen election data. The sheriff here says he expects all 19 defendants to be fingerprinted and have their mugshots taken. Trump says he's coming Thursday. That's one day before the deadline. And, George, it's just hours after the first Republican debate, which, of course, Trump says he will not attend. George? You know, and again, I think that's by design, the strategy then to blank it out. But that is not going to stop the debate for tomorrow night. on stage. Rachel Scott has a preview. Good morning, Rachel. George, good morning. Well, the chair of the RNC was holding out hope that the former president would change his mind and show up on that debate stage, but Donald Trump is making it clear he is sitting this one out. So the lineup is now set. Eight Republican candidates will be on that stage in Milwaukee tomorrow night. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson qualifying at the very last minute. While most of Trump's rivals have been hesitant to criticize him as he faces multiple investigations, nearly everyone in this crowded Republican field is going after him for sitting this debate out. Former New Jersey 
Governor Chris Christie calling him a coward. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis saying that anyone that wants the Republican nomination should show up and debate. The big question, how does this field take on a frontrunner who is not there? Well, sources tell me that DeSantis, who was in a distant second, is now bracing for an onslaught of attacks. One thing that is clear, with Trump's commanding lead, everyone on that stage will be looking for a breakthrough moment, Lindsay. It'll be interesting to watch, Rachel. You know, I'm going to watch it. I encourage other people to watch it. Um, the Trump faithful will not watch it, or they're going to claim they're not going to watch it. But I, um, I, I'm starting to think the person that does have the most experience of this whole crew that's going to be up there, I think the one to I really think the one to watch is former Governor Chris Christie. Uh, that Vic Vanaswamy, he's already saying he thinks 9-11 was an inside job. So um, that may play on uh, certain interviews. You want to be a conspiracy nut, but I don't think he does well. I don't think Pence does well. And I'm anxious to see how DeSantis is going to uh, comport himself. Um, it's it's a different field. I, I'm not sure what to make of the Nikki Haley candidacy. And, um, and we'll see about Tim Scott, but... I um, but the debate's going to happen, and I think ultimately maybe he's going to sit out this one. But I think the next one, whatever that may be, I think President Trump is going to want in. That's my thought, folks. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, two twenty six Coesed Avenue, West Warwick delicious food and drink they have a great bar area always a dependable menu whether you're going to eat there or take out a delicious meal is waiting for you at the coincid inn look for them online you can also find them on facebook whether it's lunch dinner or drinks in the lounge always a good time at the coincid inn 226 coincid avenue in west warwick folks you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he's the managing editor at AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. Justin, there's a lot of different facets to this CD1 race, the primary, fast approaching now, coming up September 5th. Early voting, mail ballots has already started. I want to start off, just get some of your thoughts on this. The Matos campaign have filed a complaint against Aaron Ruggenberg, essentially about his super PAC. Um, it, it's, it is ridiculous, the fact that the, super, the PAC that's spending money um, happens to, in fact, be his father-in-law. And I think even his mother chipped in money. Uh, but it also has to do with these boxes and these, these different facets to it. The boxes that she also, by the way, had on her website, but I'd like to, we're going to go in depth, but I'd like to just share some of your thoughts about CD1, especially Matos going after Ruggenberg. Well, on, on the FEC complaint specifically, what, what it makes me wonder is if she has no surrogates to do this kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it's it's obvious what's going on and it's sleazy, but uh, I don't know, to me, it, it kind of shows the absurdity of, of the of the campaign finance laws. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, and I think in, in some ways it, it feels almost like, you know, well, coming from the candidate anyway, it feels almost like an, an abuse of the system, you know, sort of if there's, there is, I'm not sure where the line is, but there's a line between saying there looks like there's been, been collusion between this super PAC and the candidate. Um, therefore I'm filing a camp complaint and therefore oh it's his father-in-law it's obvious so you go investigate now and do my political dirty work for me so i think that's that's kind of it and at the same time that matos's uh campaign lawyer is t saying that board of elections shouldn't look anymore into the people who collected signatures for her because that would be interfering in the campaign uh, so you know it's, it it just all it doesn't feel like a genuine concern of there's been violations here it just feels like a political jab and and Generally, in the past week, Matos's campaign has been all over the place with this stuff, feeling kind of desperate, frankly, in my view, in, in a lot of what yeah. they're doing and saying. And I think it just it feels like they're throwing everything they can into the, the negative, which which is 
not generally a good thing, particularly for the candidate. I mean, now she's got super PAC money of her own. Why don't why doesn't she have her surrogates going out and, and filing complaints and saying all the nasty stuff against the other can, candidate? So it does feel kind of like they're they're nervous and, and it's showing. Sticking with the Matos campaign, there was controversy, Justin Katz, with this congressman that came in, and it seemed like he had a clear narrative, this guy from New York. And that was just, it was, to me, it was kind of trial balloon, but an effort to let's have, as you talk about a surrogate, have him make the argument. They thought, let's have him say she's being attacked. Uh, this whole signature scandal is because she's, as he says, a woman of color. She's a, she's a woman. She's a woman of color. Um, what what do you think of that? It turned into a huge fiasco where he's arguing with the press and then Governor McKee standing right next to him, next to her, excuse me, the next day said that almost like he thought he should have walked it back and, and that he didn't believe any of that. But what do you make of to me that that was an attempt by the Matos campaign to see if that was going to maybe stick a little bit? Yeah, and I, I think it, not a not a terrible approach if you share their politics, but. What what strikes me is it's almost like she's inherited or caught like a disease. Uh, McKee's terrible political yes. execution. I mean, right. the the little spat with the reporters was was just ridiculous, and it was it was terrible optics. I mean, here he is, yeah. kind of probably a good foot taller than her, leaning in. Oh, oh, let me answer, you know, jumping, trying to jump in, and <laughs> you could tell she was nervous. And it it yeah. when you start to envision her as a congresswoman is that is that is she going to need protection in congress you know that's sort of the the image that starts to come over and then and then her answer when she was asked if there was she was a victim of discrimination was was to me ludicrous it's we've we've been something like i've been being beat i've been beating up for well no she said i've been beating up i'm being beaten up for three weeks over what we now know was nothing like nothing 40 percent of your signatures were fraudulent i think somewhere around there that's not nothing so so it it just her and while she's being you know sort of protected by the big congressman uh from another state attacking local media she's claiming that the the investigation was over nothing and i just it doesn't speak well to her her political acumen and it, or her ability to really construct an argument and and understand another side of a, a point. So I, I think it it was really just a, a big big hit attack a big political hit for her. And I think she they turned what could have been you know a, a maybe to their base uh, a little bit of a boost with the surrogate attacking. Um, although you're not supposed to be sitting next to him when he does it, but the um, but I think they turned that potential minor benefit into a, into a big harm in her image. What what do you think of just his demeanor of enough, enough? I'm not going to stand here. She's a good woman, and and I also just want to follow up, Justin. When she says it's, it turned out to be nothing, it's still a criminal investigation yeah. by the attorney general, the state police. I think that also kind of reflects the mentality in the mckee Matos administration right now that if you only have the state police attorney general (laughs) it's still considered nothing maybe if the feds come in at something but what about his whole demeanor of enough enough and interrupting and it almost seemed like i I don't know like he was their father a big brother coming in to almost like i'm going to straighten you people out yeah well that that was kind of the the impression i mean where the feminists calling calling for his head for mansplaining or whatever it yeah. might be. But I, you know, what it made me wonder kind of an indication of the difference in politics between Rhode Island and New York. I mean, maybe, maybe in New York, they have the New York post, for example, the wall street journal, you know, they've got, they've got newspapers right. and news sources that aren't, uh, that aren't, left wing and Good so maybe point. he didn't he didn't realize oh i'm in rhode island yeah. there's nobody that is against <laughs> my party here uh maybe so so he thought he was coming in to spar with the local version of and um i think it was a channel 10 reporter who was asking a question i could be wrong about that but um you know maybe he just he thought oh this must be the local version of the new york post let me muscle in like i do back home that might have been the, the uh the his thinking but he just didn't know the the media landscape around here very well you know what's also interesting about Sabina Matos, uh, Justin Katz, and that is, see, to me, she I never found her impressive as head of the Providence City Council. Um, she did, you know, support defunding the police. McKee picks her the way he did. He wanted to pick a female. He wanted to pick someone to try to get the Latino vote. But when, when you go back to I've never been impressed with her as lieutenant governor. I've had conversations with her. 
last uh, summer, she she did one debate against her rivals in the Democrat primary and then shut it down. So she wasn't impressive there when she did participate in debates with Aaron Gukian. He beat her day of voting. My point is, I don't I, I don't think that she's really that strong of a candidate and politician. If if you take away to me the title of her being lieutenant governor, I just don't find her that effective. We saw that at that first press conference she had that Friday night when she was crying about the scandal. But you tell me, but, you know, you and I, we see so many of these different people. I, I just don't think she's that good. I just think she found herself because McKee kind of gave her like the lucky ticket to become the lieutenant governor. I, th- I think that's right. And I, I mean, he, he's not very good. And, and frankly, no, no, the good politicians in Rhode Island, it's, it's very it's a very relative game. There aren't a whole lot of them. Uh, no. They just their party runs the state. So that's just waiting a line. And I think that's that's kind of. She just was waiting in line, and she fell in with McKee, who, yeah. you know, thanks to mail ballots and and, right. and selling his his office to the labor unions, was able to get into office. And so she she just rode that. You know, I I, I met her years and years ago when she was still just involved in the kind of activism, uh, and Anchor Rising was young, and um, yep. and she was just a, a progressive uh, among the you know the, the Hispanic minority groups, and you know. She, she she was a, a community organizer, an activist, and she she made it onto the city council. I think that was probably about the right level for her. I think she yeah. probably should have stuck with the the activism, the organizing, the city council. Um, but you know that there's such a vacuum at the state level and above in Rhode Island, where where and even the mayor mayors mayors of Providence. You know, there's such a vacuum of of people with really any experience or or political acumen, and that just leaves this big gap that she she fell right into because mckee and frankly to be blunt was was looking for somebody to to protect him as a white male Uh, that's i mean that's really what it it comes down to and that's i think she's a good indication of why that's a very dangerous way to select your your government officials folks quick break much more head politics this week justin katz managing editor anchorising.com right here on the john DePietro show Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz. So Justin, staying with the CD1 race, which is the primary September 5th fast approaching Aaron Ruggenberg, who I have down, to me, he's the favorite. I've been saying 1,500 votes. I was actually wrong. I went and checked over the weekend. All right, but it's not by that much. But he lost to Governor McKee, sitting incumbent lieutenant governor, by the way, by 2,000 votes. That's not that far off. But in the primary in 2018, he announces he has uh, Bernie Sanders coming in to do a rally for him. I'm curious to hear your – I'll go first, your assessment. I think – Ruggenberg, again, I want people to understand, I don't agree with his policies. I would never vote for him. But he has that lane. He has experience. That was no small feat, losing to McKee in 2018 by 2,000 votes when he had never run for statewide office before. I see him as the front runner, and I, I just don't think anyone's going to stop him. I think for the people that like that type of politics, he's their guy. He's delivered. They've run a solid campaign. Uh, I think the Bernie Sanders thing coming in, I think it's a big endorsement, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. 
Well, he's he's certainly well connected in kind of national progressive circles, yeah. and he he's of that that group. It's it seems like the they all they all almost look alike, you know, with the the black hair and you know slick and this young white men who mostly went to Ivy League schools, and uh, you can throw in other countries like Macron in France, you know, just there's and uh, Canada, Justin Trudeau, they, you know, this connected, well connected, well well-funded uh and they talk progressive and so they their establishment and so they they pull together both the the uncomfortable white elites and the the leftist radicals and i think bernie sanders is in in that group and he's so he's an indication of that you know the the kind of the socialist uh from vermont which i it what's interesting here is that you've got the intersectionalists almost trying to to skip ahead to the next step where they can attack their own in, in their own people but I, I i agree i think he's at this point he's got to be considered the, the strongest candidate and, and yeah. he has that nash those national connections um but but once again i want to th- throw up the red flag and say well look he not only did he not have any state office uh camp experience running for lieutenant governor but he had no ex- has no experience at all as we discussed last week i think with the dan mcgowan article he's only done campaigning and, and activism which is not a job it's not it's not real administrative experience and yet he almost beat a mayor and business owner for lieutenant governor who as we learned uh short a few short years later actually could become governor and so uh, that's the that that's what what really indicates we don't have anybody who knows how to do anything in government in Rhode Island, and and he he may know how to make connections and say the right things and, and get, advance himself in the progressive movement, but he does not know how to how to operate things, and that's not somebody you want making laws. And so I I, I double down and triple down on your say your your suggestion. You don't like his politics and won't vote for him, but I think he he's got that sweet spot where he's he's a comfort he's comfortable enough for the the old school socialists like bernie um and he he's got the progressive creds at this point i think coming in without you know over a decade of of being at the rallies and stuff he wouldn't be as strong but but he he has been and so i think he's he's got a good lane what about rounding out the rest of of just we'll do the just the democrat field for now i see a lot of endorsements and talk for this uh senator states uh sandra keno i don't know that much about her I think, if anything, she just really hurts Matos uh, in Pawtucket. But that's the name you hear. I'm just curious your thoughts. Let's let's go with uh, on her, the Jamestown business guy, Don Carlson, who, again, I'm not sure what to make of that. And then that Gabe Ammo, who, by all accounts, you know, certainly knows a lot of people, had some type of position within the Biden White House. But uh, just your thoughts on those particular three. I know there's some other people that round out the field, but I, I just... I don't see any of them. Maybe that moderate Stephen Casey, but he's I'm not sure what to make of that campaign. But I'm just curious some of your other thoughts on some of the other people in the field. Yeah, well, I was actually thinking of Kano earlier. I I wonder if she's just the best at social media, frankly, because I, I, I see a lot of her on there. She gets some endorsements and they're announced. And so she's, she's not doing nothing. But when when Matos put out a, a memo after the, the recent debate i guess it was she went after regenberg and, and amo um so i whereas you as you indicate she ought to be going after sandra kano because they're in yeah. somewhat of the same lane it's like it's so. almost as if it's almost as if she's for, for people hedging their bets they want they want to vote for that minority radical woman uh and she's she's the second second in line after Matos. And so as Matos falls, she seems more prominent to the people who were going to endorse Matos. I wonder if that's kind of what's going on there. Uh, but I don't see a whole lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, real threat from her one you know, against the whole slate against say Regenberg. And I don't, I don't know that, that whatever, you know, she'll, she'll, she'll gain to the extent Matt, if Matos drops out, but otherwise I think they cancel out. Uh, and as for gain, uh, Amo, I mean, he's he's a, a Washington guy yeah. all the way through, and so uh, we get those periodically in the in the he, congressional he's, races. He's this version of Sarah Morgenthau, who yeah, they yeah. work in D.C. and they think, oh, you know, Rhode Island, I'll just go back and win there. It was kind of how Clay Pelt kind of thought of it. Oh, okay, I'll just go and I'll be, you know, the governor for a while, and then he and Michelle Kwan will go back to Washington. But <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks. Do you see? I don't. 
I don't know if he, other than he did have some criticism for Sabina Matos, but other than that, I, I just don't, I think they're all kind of, you know, reading from the same chapter of the book. Oh yeah, it's it's all parsed on you know your skin yeah. color and and which progressive faction you're you're a member of, uh, and so you know he he is a minority, so he's got some some protection in that intersectional flank, um, but he does have the the Washington the Washington connections. But but what I found really fascinating with him is is not not him so much as. Matos's attack on him was almost entirely to tar him as having done some lobbying for Home Depot, which seemed, I mean, I just, I just found that fascinating. I are, yeah. are voters really going to, do voters really have such a dark impression of Home Depot that they're going to tar a congressional candidate over it? I, I, it just, to me, it shows how, well, first of all, how, how radical uh, the Matos, Matos is that, that Home Depot. Uh, and it also kind of shows uh, I think some some desperation. They're just looking for anything. What can we find? <clears throat> well, an, an executive from Home Depot, <clears throat> excuse me, donated to Republicans. Therefore, since he worked for Home Depot, he's connected right. to that executive. It's just yeah. it seems so so ludicrous. But I think it's also worth paying attention to because of the way they throw all the labels in. And we've talked about some of the, the MAGA Republican label as the the dark word you just throw into a speech wherever you can. But her attack on him is just full of these. There's the, well, of course, they're the good guys, the LGBTQ+, but then there are, you know, MAGA Republicans, Sedition Caucus, uh, anti-choice, anti-LGBT, anti-voting rights, and insurrectionist. I mean, that's, that's what they're, they're labeling Home Depot as that. It just, I think that's, it shows you what they, why they set those labels up. And that's why it feels like it all contributes bringing it back to the race, to the idea that Matos is just, she's just pulling out all the cards uh, of, of somebody in her political status position and be meaning progressive and uh, intersectional. And so she, she, she wouldn't be doing that. I don't think if she weren't so desperate, but it also, I don't know, I mean, it could also indicate that in a sideways way, the, the strength of mail ballots and, and election fraud, because there's the way she's attacking these people going after home Depot is not going to endear her to people who aren't fully on the far left. And right. it's, it's almost like that does not matter. I mean, uh, granted, it's, this is for a primary right now, uh, so you, you go left. But this is this is left. You're going after Home Depot as insurrectionists. I mean, that's that's far, far left. And I, I think it, it just shows the, the, the disconnectedness and expectation that <clears throat> the real challenge is to get the to get on that ballot and be the one that they're collecting the they're harvesting ballots for when they do the mail fraud that's an excellent point justin and it's also you know you're right in there i i just think that's demented they view home depot as also a negative like it's in the suburbs that's where the white maga republicans go uh they donate to a republican causes so she views that as an attack what do you make of that tweet that i sent you and again it's someone supporting uh sandra cano uh, in CD2, Bernie endorsed a white guy in a race with multiple women. In the governor's race, he endorsed a white guy in a race with two women. One was a woman of color. And now, the white guy in a race with several, several highly qualified women of color. See the pattern? Justin, they come right out. It, it's as if it has nothing to do with agenda. They're all about identity politics and just how someone looks is how is who you should vote for. Right. Well, that's... I think that that ought to be scaring even pretty yeah. progressive uh, Democrats because this is what they, they've they've had this beast they've been leveraging it. Uh, Jeff, this is Jeff Levi, whose wife yes. works for Biden and was a radical uh, in the I think in the Senate in Rhode Island for a while. Yep. Uh, but they they've set this up. This is and the Democrats knew they were doing it. It was a good way to go after Republicans. It's a good talking point for them until there's internal division. And I, so I wonder if this kind of, if we're getting a preview, I, when I saw that, I, I wonder if we're getting a preview in Rhode Island of the a breakup that's headed for Democrats nationally, because this, once you get to where these, the intersectionalists want, think actually believe the the talk that the progressives have been making for for years once they actually see leverage against their fellow progressives with it they'll deploy it and so that'll i i think we'll start to see some of these bizarre attacks spreading throughout the country in different factions of, of the democrats but it's it's just yeah you 
you vote for the skin color. And, and you know, in fairness, when your party is 100% united on every significant thing and, and does not allow any dissent at all from right. top to bottom, uh, when, when if you express, I don't know, let's just say the, the slightest cautions in a Democrat party about, you know, killing babies on their way out of the womb, uh, if, you, if, if that's a step too far for you, you're an anti-choice rep- a mega Republican in their view. And so once you get those radical people in there, they'll, they'll, they'll leverage that. And they'll, you've been, they've been empowered by their fellow Democrats. And I think that's, that's what we see here. And there's no, there's no standard for it. They, they, they'll go back and forth and it doesn't, it doesn't much matter. You, you, you know, if, if, if one, one day, you know, I'm the one doing the, who needs to leverage that radical talk? I'll do it. And if the next day uh, you're attacking me because of it, that's how it works. There, there's no principle at all. And I, th- I think it's it's like a ca- loose cannon on the, on the Democrat ship, this intersectionality. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead politics this week. Justin Katz, man, if you get her to acorising.com right here on the John DePietro Show. Limitless Outdoors. Why do they call it Limitless Outdoors RI? Well, because it's limitless what they could do for your home, for your property. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Remember their slogan, dream, build, enjoy. It starts with a discussion how you'd like to use your outdoor space. They can design your outdoor space to fit your aesthetics and lifestyle. They specialize in patios, walkways, steps, outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installation, excavation, limitless outdoors. They can also update your indoor fireplace. Call today, free consultation, free quote, 401-580-1852. You can also find them on Facebook, and then their website is LimitlessOutdoorsRI.com. How about an outdoor kitchen? Call them today, Limitless Outdoors, 401 580-1852. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, turning to the Republican side, uh, 10 News Conference did have the two candidates that are uh, in a primary for the Republican nomination for the CD1 race, September 5th. Uh, Just curious if any thoughts you have on, you do have the endorsed candidate, as a result of that, um, I, I think it'd be kind of like a tough hill to kind of climb to go up against just because it's it's a short window of time. And I think that's just the name that kind of jumps out. But just any thoughts on the two Republicans in their primary? Well, I, I think I, Gary Leonard is a, a strong candidate with, with good you know he, military background and, and would, would be an asset you know, as a, as a, a leader in politics, it, but his, I, I find his messaging, I mean, he, I, he's got a good, he's got a point I've made often, which is you know, we're, the Republicans are in the majority. So it's good to have somebody yeah. uh, in, involved there. But the, you know, other than that, there, you know, just nothing really stuck out. And, and between no. both of them, uh, the other one being Terry Flynn, the, I guess who was, who was on a council in Middletown or something um, there, I don't see a strong message. It's like, it's, yeah. it's as if they haven't really, either of them has sat down and said, what do I stand for? What's my marketing strategy? What's they, they're just, all right. Uh, one of us is going to be the Republican and then we'll be the alternative. And we can say, you need a Republican. And I mean, to me, what captured that most of all in that discussion was when Terry Flynn said that it's time to, I, I think this is a direct quote. It's time to look at the candidate, not so much the party labels, because they're becoming very blurred, only, only meaningless. What? I mean, the, there's the Democrat Party is completely united in a completely right. radical way. There's, so anything other than that is Republicans, which means there's nothing that's that's meaningless about it. And so it's just it just seems so. I I don't know if she thinks she's she's fighting the MAGA Republican label by saying, Oh, well, Republicans are just like Democrats. So you might as well vote for me. You know, I, I don't know what that means, but it, it certainly means that there's no, there's no real strategy there. And that's nothing against her. That dogs, the entire Republican party in Rhode Island. They've got to come up with something. They've got to, I mean, Congress isn't really, uh, you know, the, the our favorite topic for statewide office is the the mail ballot fraud that has to be fixed. Uh, but there's no, there's so that may not apply to Congress, but I don't see any kind of 
rationale? What is their argument? When people are looking at this this right. dumpster fire on a Democrat side, they look over to the Republicans, see what? Well, not the dumpster fire. Well, in, in Rhode Island, that's just not going to be good enough because people vote for the Democrats by default. Right. You know, you can also see, uh, after seeing those two candidates, which to me, they both seem like, I mean, I, I it's as if they are running for like just a state house office, state rep or state senator or something like that, which wouldn't be the worst thing because they get a little more experience. But to me, this shows you why the, the party was so excited about the candidacy last year of Mayor Fung and why Kevin McCarthy came in and why they spent money is because you see that Fung was just, you know, another tier type of candidate, uh, more polished, very, you know, much better with the media. And um, and just better on his feet. Now, Justin, touching on some other stories, you had the situation on on um, Black Island, the fire at the hotel, and then um, I sent you the tweet from uh, Bill Bartholomew, who works on the Dial, progressive. He's on. He's he's an activist. I don't even think he's a. Da- I mean, he's a real progressive. But but he starts to throw out that people are telling him, in spite of a state of emergency, ballots remains open. Um, you know, to me, there's no like proof of that. But on top of that, that's a good example to me of like, what what is that supposed to mean? So there was a fire and that hotel obviously is decimated. But so does that mean that all the other restaurants, all the other businesses have to close on the island? Like it, it just seems like of, of all the businesses to single out like what what is that all about what as opposed to what there are people on the island that were staying somewhere else they know we're impacted maybe they felt okay we're gonna go here for breakfast here for lunch maybe it's even on the other side of the island they didn't even know about the fire but i'm just curious your thought on that yeah like well i'm on vacation uh-oh a hotel went on fire i guess i guess we all have to go in mourning for the rest of the week it's, it was a very it's a very strange attitude especially then he throws in despite the state of emergency like what does yes. that mean like like fire's contagious or I, I just i mean obviously fire's contagious when you're next to it but i mean just, just the idea that this oh well something's happening state of the mer- emergency everybody get locked down or get out your masks i mean it, it was very it was kind of strange that way but what i think in my view what's happening here is Ballard uh, has been labeled for whatever reason, uh, whether it's political or, or somewhere in there, there's politics probably, but also just the, the factions and every it's Rhode Island, small state, everybody picks a side on every local battle. Uh, but Ballard's has been, and it's, I, th- I think the Filippi family, although there's yeah. fights among them. So Ballard's has been labeled as kind of the, the not us objectionable and controversial class. So you and I are in that. We're we're on the Ballard side. Bill Bartholomew's right. on the other side, and I think that's that's how. And everything has to go into that that model. And I, it's the old. I, I don't know if it's Engels or Marx or one of their their proteges, but you know the the issue is never the issue. The revolution is the issue. And that's I think what this. It's kind of an echo of that. Is is okay? How does this serve the greater far left socialist cause? Okay, Ballard's is evil, therefore. That's that's my angle here, and I think that that that's what I take that to be. And as you said, Bartholomew is an activist and not a, not a journalist or anything no, like that. So the, the lining of that, in spite of the state of emergency, yeah. the boozy beef French venue has been front and center. Is you know they're outraged that they're open. But can you imagine if you know you're on vacation with your family, you go to go to a breakfast place that says, "Wait a minute, why are we closed?" We're closed because there was a hotel fire on the other side of the island, <laughs> so we will not be serving. Like, what, what are you talking about? I mean, yes, that's unfortunate, but you're exactly right. The attitude is everyone should close because of there was the fire at the hotel. Well, like how in, you're right. We should go into a lockdown and return the mask. But in, in true progressive fashion, it's it's only only people who disagree with us, right? Well, we can right. do whatever. We can go out to dinner in the middle of a, a middle of a pandemic. We That's can stay right. open when there's a hotel fire if we're progressive. It's if you're not progressive, you lose those privileges and it's outrageous. But I love that some locals were outraged. Who? Yeah. You know, your exactly. friend, your buddy uh, right. who doesn't like the Philippi family or something. I, who knows? But, but yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous, but it's, it's an opportunity to, to, keep dividing Americans against each other, keep dividing Rhode Islanders, keep dividing Black Islanders against each other. And that's what the progressive left does. It's the only way they can get to power. Yeah. He also, he did host uh, a CD1 debate. And I saw the current, Rhode Island current, which 
trying to say, you know, oh, it's interesting because it was just an audio debate. But because of that, and you had so many people, you, you couldn't follow who was speaking. Um, you know, be, it, it's one thing if you have two, even three people in an audio debate. But when you have, you know, there were eight of them or nine of them, you, you don't know who's jumping in. You have to keep coming back and saying, oh, that was Gabe Ammo that said that. Oh, that was Sandra Keno that said that. I mean, it was actually kind of a cluster blank, to be honest with you. So and, and just the just sheer on the logistics, nothing to do. I'm not, you know, listen, I've hosted radio debates and, and they can be challenging. But when you go to that number of people and people can't see. At Med Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center. All your medical needs, they're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week at Med Urgent Care. When you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to At Med Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be. At Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need, urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnson and the Atwood Medical Center and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. So Rhode Island changed its laws regarding public access to waterfront and beachfront property and what it really means is it's shoreline access that's what this whole thing is about but as we have talked about it's leading to a lot of problems and there's also misunderstanding i want to play this is a piece of channel 12 it turned into a fight in uh, north kingstown north kingstown with more and somebody arrested. The incident took place here at the town beach in North Kingstown when a shoreline access homeowner told beachgoers that they were trespassing on his property. Police say this resulted in the arrest of the owner. A peaceful day in North Kingstown took a turn Sunday when police say they were called for multiple reports of a disturbance over beach rights. Jeff Newcomb frequents this beach and tells us this is not something you would expect on a quiet town beach. I had walked down here yesterday to see like some police activity and trying to figure out what was going on. According to a report from the North Kingstown police, a family of three was sitting here below the high tide line behind the Cold Spring Lane home when property owner Andrew McGlatchy and his family of three came out and confronted them, saying they were trespassing on their property. According to the police report, McClatchy allegedly verbally antagonized the beachgoers, breaking their umbrella, throwing it into the water, and a physical fight followed. The report says this resulted in the arrest of Andrew McClatchy. He's charged with vandalism and disorderly conduct. Rhode Island recently signed a shoreline access bill into law in June of this year. This states the public has the right to laterally access the shore up to 10 feet landward of the visible high tide line. Some tell us they should be able to enjoy all parts of the beach. It's the ocean state, right? And I think we should be thoughtful about how that access is allowed. Linda Jeans tells us she can see why a property owner may feel the need to put up signs. I don't know if you have this beautiful public beach right here and there's a little patch that's private and it's the end of the beach. There's no reason to go down there, really. That's right. But she sees both sides of the argument. If you're taking a walk and you go to the end of the beach, what difference does it make? We tried to... You know, Channel 10, uh, that woman just made a very good point. I, Channel 10, so you have this full beach, and then you have, as you go farther down, there's where people's homes are that are right along the water. This, That's where... This guy decided to sit down. Now, listen, it should never have turned into that. But the fact of the matter is, um, you know, there's, there's, there's some element where some of these individuals are antagonizing 
the homeowners because it's not a matter shoreline access is supposed to be you can walk up and down the beach okay then you can go a little bit but they go beyond it and some of them um they're they're actually not that big but nbc10 actually tracked down the guy he didn't want to have his face shown that was involved with the altercation with the homeowner but it's what these people don't realize is this they're taking their property this was their property under new rhode island law they're taking their property this is someone coming into your lawn you may not like it they're trying to yeah people have access to the sidewalk in front of your home but they don't have access to your front lawn or your backyard so but nbc10 actually got and i'm going to play it here's the the guy that all this was. it was his family access hit some rough waters over the weekend he felt entitled that this was his and and he tried to bully me off intimidate me off chris brady wouldn't show his face on camera when talking to us but says his family set up two chairs and an umbrella behind a private home at the north kingstown town beach on sunday we were actually about 20 feet probably more 20, or more than 20 feet away from what was probably allowed it was about an hour into the beach day when Brady says 61-year-old Andrew McClatchy confronted them. I mean, he was pretty aggressive, and he started demanding that we leave. And you know, I kept on refusing, saying, you have no right. According to police, Brady's family was well within the state's new lateral public access line. Brady says the altercation escalated after McClatchy approached his wife and 10-year-old daughter. So I said, stop. Don't go near her. She's 10. You have, a, you have something, you come to me. At one point, witnesses say McClatchy ripped the family's umbrella out of the sand and threw it in the water, sharing this photo with us of the damage. He just took my umbrella and he mauled it. It was like uh, the reverence. It's like the bear, like, going after DiCaprio. He just started just destroying it. Police were eventually called and McClatchy was arrested and charged with vandalism and disorderly conduct. Maybe that's what it takes for him to stop being like this because it's a really poor behavior. It's like an inconsideration really bad manners brady says there's a lesson to be learned here i'm not going to let him intimidate me off because i'm afraid of, of what he's saying or what he thinks he's going to do and also hopes the state can do more to clean up the language surrounding what's considered private and public but they should preempt this if, it, if we're going to sort it out there could be a very bad sorting there could be violence it could be you know really bad violence i want to give um just folks an analogy on this i want you to picture a football field and you have the entire football field where you can put your chairs and blankets and sit on the football field. The end zone, you know, on one end of the field, the end zone is where that's someone's house. And that's in the past was considered almost like their private beach area. What these people are doing is they have the entire football field, but they purposely go and sit in the end zone. So what needs to be addressed is think about that just for a moment. They're not saying, hey, you know, I can't. Why can't I be on the beach? It's not a matter of that. People like this guy, they're purposely going and sitting in the end zone to antagonize the homeowner. And that was also going on in Middletown. Kind of start off the summer. These are not people trying to enjoy themselves. They are purposely in, oh, no, I want to sit here. Oh, no, I want to sit here. Oh, no, you're not going to bully me out of here. Listen, buddy, you have the whole field. Why don't you go sit at the 50-yard line? Why don't you sit at the 30-yard line? Why don't you sit at the 10-yard line? Oh, no, I want to sit in the end zone. We're going to put our cheers and umbrella here in the end zone. Well, the end zone, that's my yard, and it comes down, and we kind of use this as like a private beach. Oh, no, no, I want to sit in the end zone. I'm going to sit in the end zone and there's nothing you can do about it. No, that's the new law. See, that's what these people are doing. So it's supposed to be shoreline access, meaning you could walk around the entire state along the shoreline. And then they say, okay, it, it goes up from the high tide mark. But what these people are doing, and in some of these little areas, there's actually very little room on the beach. These individuals are purposely setting up to antagonize the homeowner. That's the real story. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie. 
that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity. It's my health. It's all about your health. Local products. I say ye. Honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health. Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of the John DePietro Show. Falcon Pest Services, when you have a pest problem, give them a call. Serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services, residential or commercial, whether it is for maybe you have some kind of a termite problem, bed bugs, ants, roaches, listen, a mice problem, mice can be problematic, rats, mosquitoes, many other pests, Falcon Pest Services, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, all different types of programs, multifamily housing, condos, apartments, single family homes, restaurants, office buildings, highly trained, experienced pest control technicians maybe it's once a year maybe it's a one-time treatment monthly service quarterly or year-round protection you can depend falcon pest services call them today for a free quote 401-739-1322 get your yard sprayed get rid of those mosquitoes falcon pest services call today 401-739-1322 Falcon Pest Services. You can also find them on Facebook. Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of the John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252, AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions, also commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall, Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. Check out topetro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at topetro.com.